Welcome to Jubilations, a Judaic podcast intended to educate, inspire, and motivate your hungry Jewish mind. Each week, Jubilations dives into the minds of influential Jewish people speaking powerful words of wisdom. I'd like to welcome Eddie Portnoy to Jubilations today. Eddie, welcome. Thank you. Eddie received his PhD from JTS. He holds a MA in Yiddish Studies from Columbia, and he is an academic advisor, senior researcher, and director of exhibitions at the EVO Institute for Jewish Research in New York City. And he is an expert on Yiddish popular culture. So Eddie is the author of Bad Rabbi and Other Strange But True Stories from the Yiddish Press. So my first question, probably most people would want to know, what would lead you to write this book? That's a good question. Well, the book is, a, is an, kind of an anthology of uh, scandalous stories from the Yiddish Press. And so I found this material really uh, mostly by accident. I uh, was reading the Yiddish press from a dissertation, uh, which sent cartoons, of the, uh, which I found in Yiddish newspapers, and I began to stumble across uh, really strange stories about Jews who I really couldn't even imagine existing. Hmm. And it was kind of a really unique uh, view into uh, an aspect of Jewish history that, that, I, that I'd never even thought about. So where does Bad Rabbi come from? Where does that uh, okay, so bad rap. So, so the the title of the book is also the title of a chapter uh. in the book, and that and that chapter is about a Hasidic rabbi who uh, was from a shtetl in Poland. He goes to a uh, he goes to New York to raise funds from some of his followers who are who have emigrated. And while he's there, he gets involved uh, in a relationship with a woman who uh, demands that he marry her. Uh, he refuses because he's already married to a woman who's in Poland and who, with whom he has nine children. <laughs> uh, the woman still wants to get the woman in New York still wants to get married, and it's suggested to him that. Uh, he can marry the woman in a, in a court of law, in a civil marriage, uh, that he doesn't recognize as a legitimate marriage because it's not a, a Jewish marriage, uh, and that she'll be happy uh, because she's married to a rabbi, which is what she wants. And uh, she's also offered to pay him for this service. So he'll be happy because he'll be getting a fee, and he can go back to Poland with some money. So he actually does this. He marries this woman in a, in a courtroom in the Bronx, and uh, he she gives him uh, allegedly $16,000, and he returns to Poland. And after a few months, the woman in New York decides that she wants to marry him in a traditional Jewish ceremony. So she goes to Poland to find him, and... Uh, Tells him that if he doesn't if he doesn't, if he doesn't marry her in a traditional ceremony, that he has to give her the money back. <laughs> well, unfortunately, he spent he spent a fair amount of the money, and uh, so he gives her some of it back because he actually can't marry her because he's already married, and uh, she begins asking for more and more money from him, which he doesn't have. 
he has her arrested for extortion, uh, she has him charged with bigamy, and there's a huge court case which ends up being kind of like the O.J. trial of uh, of Poland in 1926. And, uh, and, so, and so he's he's really, I mean, there's much more to it than this. Yeah. There, are, there are a lot more details, but it, he's really the bad rabbi. Like, he, he was the inspiration for the title. It's an excellent title. I love it. Some people, the title, yeah. particularly rabbis. Uh, of course, of course. So on the front, the picture that you have is this um, slightly ginormous man who is, I believe his name is Martin the Blimp Levy. And he looks like yes. this chubby Jewish man in like a, a sleeveless onesie. Why did you choose to put yeah. this man on the front cover? Um, I actually didn't choose that. It was the oh. publisher that chose that. Ah, interesting. Uh, I, 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 I wanted something else, and they, wanted, they, wanted, they loved this image. They thought it was very dramatic. <laughs> and uh, indeed it is. People tend to like it. Uh, it's a very it's a very memorable image and, and there's a chapter on on, on blimp, blimp levy as well uh, so he, he gets discussed in the book too but uh, he, he's he's not a rabbi but he's he's part of the book so uh, he, he wound up on the cover Got he's it. also a great character do you use this when you do your teachings do you talk about your book I mean I have yeah I mean I've lectured many times uh, about the book you know, in the past since it was published a year ago, I've probably been about, you know, between 25 and 30 places all over the country, nice. uh, you know, lecturing about it. And, um, you know, there are, within the book, there are a lot of different topics, so I can focus on, you know, not every lecture is the same, uh, but, you know, I can focus on different things. Um, but, but that's one of the fun parts of the book is, you know, it, it, you know, it ranges from, um, you know, bigamist rabbis to per Jewish professional wrestlers to fist fights between Yiddish literary figures, uh, to murderers, to gamblers, to prostitutes. You know, it's the, it's the whole sort of seamy underbelly of Jewish life from before World War II. We need a new one. <laughs> we need, a, we need a, a modern one because we have so much crap that goes on, you know? It's so interesting. Right, if, Right. Yeah. Right. Well, one of the one of the fun fun things about this is that all of it takes place in Yiddish, uh, which is not you know is not you know when people think when people think of Yiddish they tend to think of things like you know fiddling on the roof or like the wholesome traditional life of the shtetl you know they don't usually think of gangsters or wrestlers or you know or uh, or criminals so it it, you know sort of shines a light on on you know on Yiddish speakers that, that people aren't really familiar with. Well, my Yiddish was, as I was growing up, my father, who spoke some Yiddish and uh, fluent in German, he would have this mix of like a Yiddish-German thing going on, which we I know that that's what it's part of. You know, Yiddish comes from some German words as well. And that's my knowledge of, of my Yiddish. But um, do you, right. did you grow up in a, in a, in a home that spoke Yiddish? Well, my, so my Yiddish was my, I was born in Detroit. Uh, and my father was also born in Detroit. That was, but Yiddish oh. was his first language. Oh. He grew up in a house. You know, his parent his his parents were immigrants, and he grew up in this immigrant household. And uh, you know, he said that he didn't really know English until he went to kindergarten. Um, wow. You know, it was like on a sort of on a. It was sort of he grew up sort of on a block with you know with all immigrant families, and Yiddish was kind of the language of the neighborhood. Uh, and my grandparents always babysat for me. 
So uh, and they, they used to speak Yiddish all the time, and sometimes they would speak Yiddish to me, and I would answer them in English because I couldn't really speak, but I had this sort of passive knowledge of the language. Right. And I, I became interested in it. Um, and when I was in high school, I taught myself to read and write and began reading stories. And it was just sort of a hobby that I had. Uh, you know, my regular high school friends, you know, who I was skateboarding with and going to concerts with, they didn't, they didn't really know about this because it wasn't, I knew it wouldn't be interesting to them. Mm -hmm. It was just sort of a hobby that I kept to myself. And then, uh, after college, I moved to New York and I started working for a small publishing company that did a project with uh, the Evo Institute for Jewish Research, which is where I, I currently work. And the Evo Institute is a, um, a huge archive and library, historical research institute, uh, has a heavy focus on Yiddish. So when I we did this project, um, I met with the chief librarian, and I told him that I had had this long-standing hobby where I taught myself to read and write Yiddish. And he said, oh, well, you know, we run a summer Yiddish program. I, you know, you might be interested in taking it. So I looked into it, and I, to see, it's just, the summer, Evo summer Yiddish program still exists. And uh, this is obviously, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. But um, the, uh, I took the summer program, and I was completely hooked. You know, I, I you know, learned so much about Yiddish that I, I didn't know previously, and, and learning about it in an academic atmosphere was so uh, was so gratifying that the next year I, I enrolled in grad school, and uh, you know, after a number of years, a number of years after that, I wound up with the master's in Yiddish from Columbia, and then a PhD in history from JTS, and uh, I generally tell people I turned a really fun hobby in, into a low-paying career. <laughs> <laughs> that I that I really like. Good. That I, I truly really like. That's the most important thing, right? As long as you can eat and yeah. maybe get a roof over your head, right? How do you see the Yiddish language in the future? Do you see it at all? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, Yiddish is growing, and it's growing because you have uh, Hasidic populations and ultra orthodox populations in in. Brooklyn and in Israel that are, you know, families have six to ten kids, and many of these families speak Yiddish as their everyday language. So it's not like they're writing novels or, um, or going to theater, but, um, you know, the number of Yiddish newspapers and magazines in the last five years has exploded. There, there are lots of them. And so, um, you know, while Yiddish is sort of the vernacular of, you know, a, a huge number of, of Jews uh, doesn't really exist anymore within these smaller ultra-Orthodox communities. It does. And they're the ones who are really um, carrying Yiddish into the future. Nice. What's the name of the paper in New York? Oh, there's the, there's the, there, there's the Algemeiner. Right. right. That's the sort of Chabad-connected Yiddish paper, which I'm not sure exists anymore in it, Yiddish. It, it, exists, yeah. it, it exists in the English. But it was originally um, but, just uh, a Yiddish paper, right? Wasn't that the it was, yes? It yeah. was right. It was originally it was originally just a Yiddish paper, right? right. Um, but yeah, but there are other Hasidic Yiddish papers. There's uh, uh, the Blot and uh, the Zeitung. They're, they're like they're a number. They're a number nice. of them. They even have like they even have like fancy glossy magazines in Yiddish. <laughs> Can you give us a little lowdown on an exhibit? 
that you were part of. Um, I believe it was your first exhibit that you showed that was about the, the Yiddish Fight Club. Yeah, so um, in 2015, I did an exhibit at YIVO uh, called Yiddish Fight Club. And what happened was I, um, about 10 years ago, I had done some research on Jewish professional wrestlers and boxers from before World War I, uh, one of whom was this blimp, Levy character, yeah. um, and there are you know there are actually dozens of others. It was really, it was really fascinating to discover that uh, you know there were dozens. I mean, boxers people know about that you know in the 1920s and 30s there were lots and lots of Jewish boxers, uh, but I had I wasn't at all familiar with the Jewish professional wrestlers, and there were really quite a lot of them. There was, and some of them are very interesting characters. Um, so I had done some research on that for a small, short-lived magazine called Guilt and Pleasure, and uh, I didn't do anything after that, but a number of years after that, I uh, had a friend who lives in Toronto and who asked me to photocopy an article in uh, a linguistics anthology from 1926. Wow. That that, ye- that it was Yivo's very first publication. It was published in Vilna in 1926, and... You know, this friend of mine's a professor, and he, you know, wanted some article on Yiddish linguistics. Uh, and just as an example, I have a couple of examples. In, in this anthology, there are articles on things like uh, Yiddish dialects in Estonia. Uh, there's an article on uh, noun declension in Yiddish of the 17th century. Um, you know, it's fairly esoteric stuff. Uh, so I, photo- I photocopied this article for him, and I still have the book with me and I'm looking through it to see what, you know, what kinds of things are there because I'm a, I'm a Yiddish nerd and this stuff interests me. <laughs> so, so I stumble across an article called which in Yiddish means fighting words. And it turns out to be uh, an article that describes how um, young linguists went into the streets of Vilna and Warsaw to interview Yiddish-speaking street gangs to get their slang for the terms they use when they're fighting. Uh-huh. So, so this was really interesting, and they list about 100 different terms. Hmm. And, uh, you know, some of them are really simple, like the terms for, you know, like light hits and slaps, like frosk and, um, uh, and schmice. Uh, and, 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 you know, certain things like that. And others are, are more complex, like there's one uh, that I like a lot called which means to take out a mortgage on someone. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that means to hold, to hold someone down and beat them. <laughs> so, you know, so I kind of fell into this really kind of really fascinating lexicon of, you know, Yiddish words, uh, you know, Yiddish words and phrases, you know, relating to fighting. And I had this whole collection of, you know, Yiddish boxers or Jewish boxers and wrestlers from, from, you know, previous work I had done. And I thought I could combine them into an exhibit, which I did. And it, um, it wound up being, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen with the exhibit, but it wound up being very successful. Wow. So, uh, it was really kind of, it was really kind of a neat and fun thing to do. And again, like one of the things I like to do is shine a light on aspects of Jewish life that people aren't familiar with, and you know people 
were not really familiar with any of this stuff, so it was right. uh, it was really kind of en- really kind of enlightening to, uh, to 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 a fair number of people. Was there ever a fight between two Jewish people? I mean, two Jewish. Yeah, was, was there ever not? Like, I think the question is: Was there ever not a fight between two Jewish really? people? Really? Seriously? Um, yeah, Jewish people. Yeah, wow. people, Jews fight all the time. That's all they do. <laughs> Boxing? You mean seriously? Yeah, sure, of course. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Boxing, uh, right, wrestling. So, so then, um, if they were using, see, I was looking at it more like when you were saying about how they would use Yiddish terms. I would think it was because the other side, the opponent, was not. Um, Jewish. I mean, often, oftentimes, oftentimes the opponents weren't Jewish. Okay. Sometimes they were. Then they, they okay. Then they they would be uh, they would be discovered on what they were trying to tell each other to do. So it's very. Oh right, right. Well, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I don't know if they, I don't know if they were really trying to keep things a secret. Okay, but, uh, okay. I didn't. I didn't know if maybe that's why they were using it. You know, like code words for each other for when they're telling. Right. Their, yeah, no, no, I, no, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't think it was really. I don't think they were really code words. They, okay. This was just like the common the common language used when 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 performing you know certain violent acts. Got it. Got it. Well, you know what, Eddie? I really hope you write another book because it's it's important that we keep telling everybody the stories that they don't know. Uh, where can people get this book? Um, hopefully at bookstores everywhere. Okay. Uh, it's also available on Amazon. Excellent. Um, so, uh, and you, you could, you can get it direct from the publisher if you like at Stanford University Press. Excellent. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it can be found, uh, you know, at fine bookstores everywhere. Great. Uh, so Bad Rabbi and Other Strange But True Stories from the Yiddish Press. You got to go out and get one. Eddie, thank you so much for joining me today on Jubilations. This was wonderful and very educational. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Jubilations. May you go from strength to strength.